Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. I want to tell you about something cool that we're doing on the Five Reasons Network. As you know, we give out all of this content for free and we're going to continue to add content. Three episodes a week on the flagship Five Reasons and also all of the other podcasts that we've been adding to the network. But we want to try something a little bit different to get the community involved in a different way. So we're starting a patronage page. You can check out that page either at Five Reason Sports or the description of this podcast, wherever it is that you download the podcast. And if you go sign up there for $5, this is what you're going to get. You're going to get bonus content from the flagship. So a lot of the extra stuff that Chris and I do, we will post it there. You also get bonus segments and interviews from all of the other podcasts in our network. They've got a lot of cool ideas. It's an opportunity for us to give you something a little bit different, experiment a little bit. Also, you're going to get entry into exclusive contests. And I can tell you, we're doing one this week. If you go there now and sign up, we're going to do a random drawing for a $30 gift certificate to Texas Roadhouse. And you can use that at any of the Texas Roadhouse locations in South Florida. You'll also get access to our Miami Creator Podcast. That's M-I-A-M-E, capital M-E. We're going to be releasing an episode of Light Skinned Opinions, which is run by one of the guys in our network, ALF. Uh, it's a really, really cool podcast. You get access to that. And also you get access to premium content on our website as soon as we launch that sometime this fall. So go check it out again at Five Reasons Sports or check out the description. You go directly to it from that link. And now on with the show. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here, as always, with Chris Winningham. Now that you have found us, make sure that you subscribe. Depends a little bit on what platform you're on. Some places it'll be a subscribe button. Some places it'll be a follow button. But the important thing is that you click that button because you'll get access to all of the old episodes in our library, a lot of which are still current, and also all of the new episodes that we publish. If you turn on notifications, you will get those episodes as soon as they post. Now, this is typically where I introduce all of the other podcasts and the Five Reasons Sports Network. We are now up to eight. We'll be up to 10 in about two weeks when we add Smark Your Territory as well as Five Rings Canes. But I'm not going to get into all of the other ones because we actually have one of the hosts from one of the new podcasts here on the program today. And I'm going to start here. Steve Goldstein, what happened to your career that you decided to join the Five Reasons Sports Network? It is amazing. It was probably a brief moment, uh, a lapse in judgment when the hockey season ended in mid to late June. And um, I have no idea what I'm doing here. So we're going to have to see how it goes. 
<laughs> All right. Well, we're glad that you're here. Steve launched his new podcast. So am I. So am I. Yes, exactly. Well, judging by the download numbers for that first episode, uh, I think a lot of listeners are too, because I think we've yeah. we found that in this market, uh, there is a very dedicated Panther fan base, and we want to serve that fan base. And so we're going to do that a little bit more here on this podcast, but also we wanted to establish a dedicated podcast. And so we basically just went after you. It was pretty much the choice from the beginning. <laughs> we're like, who can make this thing work in this market? Who travels with the team? Who knows all the players? Who knows the organization? Uh, who has the trust of the organization? And so we decided to bring you on. We're glad that you did. And so you can find the Goldie on Ice podcast if you have iTunes. Podbean, Stitcher, any of those, you can find it by typing in Goldie on Ice. He's already got a teaser episode and a full episode, and we'll have a new episode coming up mm -hmm. this week. So let's start before we get into the Panther talk. We're going to do plenty of that with you mm -hmm. here. But I think a lot of people know you originally as a talk show host in South Florida. And I know that seems like a long time ago for some of this stuff, but I mean, I remember listening to you religiously. I'm not going to say which of the three of you brought me most uh, into that particular show, <laughs> but I ended up working with one of those guys for quite a while, actually, um, yeah. 40 years later. But you did work with Joe Rose and Jeff DeForest for a while on the first team. And I was wondering if you could start us here because people love these stories. Do you have a good first team story to tell? Oh, boy, a good first team story. Um, you know, there's a lot of them from, you know, we, we love Defoe bringing in paychecks from different places that he that he worked if i can vaguely remember usually it was a paramutual place and coming in at 557 for a six o'clock show with stories about how i wasn't home last night i just stayed in the hotel because the ex-wife was crazy there was a great one i think <laughs> defoe said he came home one night and wanted ice cream and um she said and he imitated her great even though it didn't sound like her but it's funny to us you want ice cream? Here's ice cream. And she threw like a carton of Rocky Road at his head across the living room. And that was his cue to leave. So we always had those stories. Then you had Joe Rose, you know, Joe, Joe's a character. Um, you know, back in those days, he was pretty recently retired from, you know, from playing in the NFL. This is like mid nineties. So, and he was done in the late eighties. Um, after he was done with the dolphins, he actually played, I think part of a season with the Rams and then kind of bounced around and did different things. And he was still kind of going at it. He was the one guy, people may not remember this, Joe Rose was the one guy kind of criticizing um, Don Shula, you know, publicly saying it's time for him to go and things like that. They have reconciled numerous times, uh, you know, since then. Um, so I remember those things. Uh, Joe was always just just a trip. And here I am, at, you know, my mid 20s and, you know, being on the radio in Miami. I remember when 9-11 happened, we were actually on the air. So that's one that will always kind of, um, you know, kind of stick out in a in a serious way. Um, remember in 97, so I guess that was Jimmy Johnson's second year from, from or for first year, um, Jimmy Johnson, they were playing the Giants one game and it was just Joe and I, I don't think Depot had joined the show yet. So it was Joe and I doing it. And Jimmy used to listen cause he drive from the keys, you know, all the way up to Davie. And he actually called in and guaranteed the win over the Giants. So that was one and all the New York City newspapers picked it up. So it was kind of a big deal for me. You know, my name was in the Daily News and the New York Post and things like that. So uh, those are a few of them, you know, both sports and kind of not so serious. Unless it's you getting the ice cream thrown at your head, then I guess it was serious for him. I know the modern iteration of radio because I've worked at both of the major sports stations now. Uh, was, was sports radio decidedly different back when you were doing it with, with, with the first team in kind of its heyday? Well, it was really interesting, Chris, because, you know, you're going back to a time where, 
you know, we didn't have internet yet. It was just kind of starting. Um, so it was totally different. Like now everything is instant. Um, and you know, everything that happens, you know, there were times where, you know, if you didn't stay up for a late game and, you know, you know, Shaquille O'Neal would go for, you know, 50 points. Like you didn't really know about it until the next day or what he said after the game. Now everything is so instantaneous and all the post game, you know, comments and everything everybody says is, is instant dissected. Um, so much now, it wasn't quite that much then. It was more about the games and more of the personal, you know, the hosts, um, you know, more of our personal lives. You know, I got married at the time I was on the air. And, you know, those guys were all over me and, you know, saying I got the invitation. It's black tie only. Who the hell are you marrying? Are you letting the mother-in-law run your, your relationship? You know, all this stuff was, was public <laughs> stuff on the radio that, you know, that's how everybody knew. And that's, I think, why people today still say, yeah, I remember you when you were on the first team because you really got to know guys. I think a little bit more because now we just, and you guys do this more more than, more than I do as far as, you know, the free-flowing conversation. Um, there's just so much content out there. Like, you're not telling, for the most part, we're not telling anybody what they don't have access to. That's why I think the podcast and the network you guys have, I think this is great because, you know, we have the time and hopefully can tell some people some things from the inside that they don't know. But as far as the actual, you know, the games and the information, I mean, you're not telling anybody. And all I got to do is go on their phone and they can find out exactly what happened in the game. So I think um, it's different now, Chris, to answer your question that, you know, now, like, for example, the NBA is 12 months a year. And I venture to say maybe 10 or 20% of the conversation about the NBA is actually about the games. That's it. It's all about who's going to play where and who's buddies with who and who said what and who showed up where. Yeah, that's the way it's gone. I, it just is interesting to me because the two people you worked with, like you said, they were such characters in different ways. And I had my own interactions with both of them because, again, I worked with Defoe long after you did. But at 640, where the studio was literally the size of the desk that my computer is on right now, with myself, Defoe, and Leslie Visser and Eric Langell for four hours every morning. And you're right about Defoe, man. Like, I mean, three minutes before the show. Uh, and, 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 but but the thing about it was like I, he would just go right on autopilot. Like I mean, it was it, it didn't matter where he was the night before. And I know I caught him at a little bit of an older age than you did, but it didn't matter where he was the night before. He could still do a show, and it, it was remarkable to me. But we were in this cramped quarters, and you know how Defoe sort of swings his arms out a little bit when he talks. So I would often <laughs> sort of I would often sort of catch an elbow. Uh, as you know, Florida Marlins, you know, and, and that I'd catch an elbow from him on, on one of his sayings. So, and Joe, um, you mentioned about embarrassing about your personal life. Yeah. I mean, like the first month that I was dating my wife, I was at an OJ McDuffie event of all things. Uh, OJ is in our network mm -hmm. now too at Gatsby's in Davie, which no longer exists. And Joe decided because Joe was the MC of that event to, uh, with about 200 people there to, uh, call me and my wife out and asked how often we were doing it. So there you uh, go. Typical so, Joe. Yeah. So, so that, was, that was basically that's Joe. So yeah, your, your interaction with the two of them. I don't know that I would wish that on anybody, but it was, yeah. it was, but you know, it's interesting, you know, at that same time and you know, Joe would somewhat make you bigger than probably you are. And mm -hmm. there was no one bigger at that than Neil Rogers. And you know, Neil Rogers, everybody knows used to be all over a lot of people, including me at an early age publicly, you know, 
hammering you, saying you don't belong in the business, and then you'd walk by him in the hallway, and Neil Rogers would always say to me, from this point on, you owe me half the money you make for the rest of your life, because without me, no one would know who you are. <laughs> and you look back on it now, even a guy like Hank Goldberg, whoever wound up working, and obviously Stugach, you know, has gone on to do great things in, in, in the business, and you know, congratulations to him. Um, you know, he started with Hank, and Boog Shambi started with Hank, and Bob Susan started with Hank, and for a lot of those guys, maybe we don't realize it, like when we were 20s and we're working, and back then, when there was no other platform, you didn't have a Twitter account, you didn't have an Instagram account, you couldn't Snapchat, I mean, none of that other stuff existed, so those guys that people listened to, you know, which was the one form of, you know, if you weren't home to watch TV, you had to listen at that time to QAM in your car, if those guys talked about you, doesn't matter what they said about you, you know, good, bad, throw the mad dog in there with a guy like Curtis Stevenson. If those guys were talking about you, you know, you became somewhat of a, I hate to use the word celebrity because I don't think we're celebrities, but you know what I mean? Somewhat of a public figure that people knew who you are. And certainly for me anyway, I certainly didn't realize that at the time. And now you look back on it 20 years later and clearly that was the case. I did a show with mad dog, Jim Mandich on, um, at the time, you know, Sunshine, Sun, 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 Sun Sports the Network, we did a live Dolphin show for a whole season, the late 90s, I think it was. Um, we were there every Monday night, and, and there was so much more credibility, I think, after that. I didn't realize it at the time, and I didn't know it. But after that, in the ensuing years, I'd, like, meet executives from different forms of media, and they would bring that up. Like, that, that lended some credibility that I did a one-hour television show live because it was Jim Mandich and people liked Jim Mandich so much. So it's a very different time. Now you don't really need that. If you've got something good going on and you can either have a podcast or be on Twitter or, you know, Instagram and you've got a lot of followers, you can kind of make that yourself. And that wasn't the case back then. Before we get back to our episode with Steve Goldstein, I want to introduce you to a great new sponsor. You're going to be hearing a lot about them, not just on this podcast, but on all of the podcasts in our network. And that is Texas Roadhouse. Great restaurant, restaurant where you can get a great steak. Also, all your side orders have a beer. They've got a full bar. And the thing about the place is that I'm there every single Tuesday night at the one in Miramar because my daughter will not allow me to miss it. They have kids night on Tuesday night. It's $1.99 for a kid's meal with a purchase of each adult entree. And also they've got arts and crafts. She loves to draw. They've got a balloon artist. Last week, they actually had a magician who was there. You take pictures with Andy the Armadillo from 430 to 8 o'clock. So if you are a father or a mother of a child, you've got to take them out to Kids Night at Texas Roadhouse. And so now we're going to do our first contest. Texas Roadhouse has been kind enough to give us a bunch of $30 certificates. And if you know anything about the menu there, you can get a lot of really great food for 30 bucks. So we're going to give out a certificate and here's how this is going to work. You've listened to the beginning of this podcast. All you've got to do as soon as you hear this, as soon as you hear this, tweet to at five reason sports. That's the number five reason sports. Who were the two hosts? And you got to spell them correctly. One of them is a little more difficult than the other. Who were the two hosts that Steve Goldstein worked with at the first team at WQAM? If you've listened to the beginning of this podcast, you will know the answer to that first person to tweet that to us at, at five reason sports will win a $30 gift certificate to Texas Roadhouse. And now back to Steve Goldstein. All right. So before we get to the Panthers, and we're going to do some of that here. Let's get into what your podcast is going to be about, because as you mentioned, it's a little bit of a different forum. 
than you're accustomed to. It's been a little bit different for Chris and I. We've, we've kind of shaped it differently than we did our radio show because we typically go about 45, 50 minutes here as opposed to trying to fill three hours a day, which is what we, we used to have to do. What are you trying to get across with your pod? What can listeners expect? Well, I'm hoping, you know, in episode one, and by the way, I'm doing more of these than we thought. Well, you know, I don't have to keep a secret. As you and I spoke, Ethan, about this, you know, we thought, okay, when the season starts, and I figured maybe do one, you know, as kind of a test run, an hour up to two, it'll probably just keep doing them because people enjoy it and seem to really want the content. And I enjoy doing it. What I really want to get across, and we'll hear this with Jared McCann, is not the basic, you know, the usual questions that athletes get. I want to know what guys like are thinking and what coaches were, you know, influenced to them. And, and in hockey, you know, what it's like. Like I asked McCann, did you ever think four years ago you'd be in Florida playing hockey? And he was down this past weekend because the Panthers donate equipment to kids. You know, it's called Learn to Play. And they get all these kids playing hockey. Basically, you get the equipment for like 175 bucks and two months of lessons, and it's yours to keep. It's a great program. They've gotten a lot of kids playing hockey that way. So he came down to kind of hang out with the kids and you know help them fit the uniforms and make an appearance. And he goes, yeah, it's incredible. Four years, I never even would have thought that there was hockey rinks in Florida. That's how new it is. So you know things like that and a little more insight into guys' careers and their ups and downs, which people – may not realize just how many athletes have at a young age. Guys get sent to the minors and get cut from teams and how hard it is to get through that. So that's, I think, what I want to try to do more of, kind of take people inside. We had a great conversation with McCann about what went on with the Panthers after the Stoneman Douglas shooting, you know, in that locker room. It was obviously very emotional. A lot of guys live in Parkland, you know, Luongo and Derek McKenzie's kids are actually in schools, not the high school, but in other schools on lockdown that day that that happened, they played a game that night. So things along those lines where, you know, you need the time to sit down and talk to guys. And I think at this point with a lot of the, you know, players and and people in hockey that I know, you know, I, I think I can get them to sit down and be honest and open up about those things. So I'll try to do a lot of that with the Panthers and also some league stuff, you know, hopefully we'll get commissioner Gary Bettman on and it won't just be the run of the mill, you know, promotional interview for the NHL, you know, be some things about him and how he feels about getting criticized. There's just so many questions I think that the average fan has about stuff that goes on. And that's really what I'd like to do is, you know, hopefully give people something and myself too, because, you know, when I'm asking the question, I'm finding out a lot of this for the first time, hopefully give people some access to where they normally can't go with all the other media content that's out there. And like you said, Goldie, I think the long form format of the podcast allows you to dig into areas that aren't normally discussed. And the thing that I kind of notice, I was around hockey a bit the, the last few months of the season because of doing some radio work. But to me, the thing that sticks out is kind of the day-to-day minutiae. I feel like most of the guys are kind of bored with it. And so to be able to expand maybe on broader ideas and things that happen in the game, I think it's a perfect format because I think hockey players have really interesting personalities, but I think the day-to-day kind of questions don't necessarily bring it out. Yeah, I mean, take away their time and space. You know, we got to be ready to play. You know, all all the typical things. (laughs) That's not really what we're going to do on the podcast. You know, we're not going to ask them about the systems. And and you're right. You know, so many of these guys, because I've talked to a lot of them for years off the air, and you know, you sit down and talk to some of these guys for 10, 15 minutes. Again, not putting down any other athletes, but to me, the hockey player is just, so willing to give their time and very often whether it's on the record or off the record you ask a question you get an answer from them and so I do think there there's an opportunity in that sport 
to go deeper with players. And like you say, I think they're not only willing to do it, I think they enjoy doing it. I think they enjoy talking about, you know, their careers. And, you know, on our first episode, we had Brian McCabe, who played 16 years in the NHL as a Panther captain. You know, he, hey, what do you want to do? He goes, I want to run my own team one day. You know, and he was very open about it and, you know, how he would put a staff together and things like that. And, you know, I find it interesting and, I, and I'm hoping and I think that, um, you know, a lot of sports fans find it interesting too. So let's get to the team that you're talking about and you're covering. And I know you're going to do a lot of general NHL too, but obviously we're based down here. I certainly want to serve that market. And Goldie, to be honest, I just wanted the team to be good. Like I I just, I want them to be good because I have always felt like there's a market for the team down here, particularly where they're based in West Broward, that there are more kids playing hockey than there were when they came down here 20, 25 years ago. And, and so to me, it's it's about them just being consistently competitive, being able to follow a playoff appearance with another playoff appearance, being able to keep a core together. And so what I want to start with you here is this first part. Last season was disappointing, I think, to people for a couple of different reasons. One, because of the offseason that preceded it and kind of what some of those players did when they went elsewhere, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the other thing was that they were so damn close, right? I mean, to have that many points and not make the playoffs was essentially unprecedented. And so how can they build on that momentum, the guys who are back from last year? And what did you see in the last two months of that season that makes you believe it can carry over? Well, first off, you know, like basically the whole team is back. So I think, and that was not only because they had such a good year and, you know, the best players really were the young guys. And there's probably going to be more young guys pushing out older guys, whether it's the start of this season, the middle of the season, or at the end of the season or next year at this time. So, you know, I think that's a big part of it. They're all young, they're all their own guys, and they're all signed long-term, which now every, and we know this in sports, every summer that goes by, every off-season, depending on the sport, that those contracts signed two, three, four years before look like bargains, and hey, good job by the Panthers, you know, no, you know, these guys are all set for life anyway, but, you know, if Alexander Barkov was a free agent, forget about it, he'd be making eight, nine million, and they got him at 5.9 million for, you know, five more years or four more years. So I think that's a huge factor in it, that all those guys are back. And, you know, they're now set. Early last year, you know, another new coaching staff. You had some new players. They were still tinkering around with who plays where. And they're not going to have any of that this year. Basically, the entire team is back. You know, a change here and there on a line. You know, fans may make a huge deal about that. It's really not. Everybody pretty much plays with everybody at some point. So I think that their thought process is to really hit the ground running. And there is no reason why they cannot finally do that because basically the coaching staff and the entire team is the same as last year with a few additions, and hopefully those are going to be uh, exactly what they needed. And what for you what was the biggest catalyst for the turnaround last season? Because you mentioned kind of the positivity going forward. It really starts from end of January on and this push that they made to go and make the postseason that came up just short. What for you was the thing, being around the team every day, that finally clicked, that finally changed, that allowed them to be so good? And now I think is probably heading towards one of the more promising Panther seasons we've had in the last 20 years. I think some of it, Chris, was just time, you know, that these guys would, you know, learn to play together a little bit more. You know, they had some guys, Aaron Ekblad was playing against top lines for the first time in his career. You know, he's only 22 years old. He had never done that before. You know, they had so many young players on that team last year. I also think Barkov and Trocek and Huberto took a huge step forward. They were good before. They became borderline star players, and Barkov is a star player. The other guys became star players 
literally before your eyes. And I think it's just time. And, you know, when the coach comes in and, you know, not to get technical, but, you know, Bob Boogner kind of changed the way they played. And it wasn't always easy for these guys to pick that up. And as we all know, in everything we do in life, if you're doing something and you've got to think about it too much, it slows you down. And in a sport where guys are skating 35, 40 miles an hour and holding weapons and you're going to get hit, you cannot be slowed down at all, even for a millisecond. So they were thinking about what they had to do. And I think at some point there, the time period you mentioned there, you know, February-ish, they were no longer thinking that they had it down to a science. They had their confidence. And you just got players getting better and better. You know, guys that were between whatever, 21 and 24 years old, just a maturation process. And it all just came together there in the last, you know, month and a half of the season. It's unfortunate they couldn't get into the playoffs. But I really do believe it was just time and confidence and belief that got them to where they were going to go because these guys just keep getting better and better. And they've got to take another step if they're going to win big. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, no, this is OJ McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. OJ, tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Sap, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sap. 
Sasquatch because he's is chasing me. Because you you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know yeah. Izzo with his no, clothes on? Seth with, Izzo with his clothes on. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music. Or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. All right, before we get into the core here and, and them being signed, which I think is really critical, let's go back a little bit because I, I do think that one of the issues that Panthers fans had last year, and maybe you can kind of explain what the thinking was and what the direction is here, is that they ended up watching the Vegas Golden Knights a lot last year, and they started to wonder, okay, why aren't those guys still with us? And, and you can talk about the coach, you know, Gerard Gallant or Marcheseau or Riley Smith, but basically that they had so much success as an expansion team and those weren't bit people on the Vegas Golden Knights. They were like prominent people on the Vegas Golden Knights. So looking back now a year, what went into those decisions and do you think it did any long-term damage or with the way that the team played at the end of the season, do you think we're just kind of looking forward now? Smith and Marcia so never heard of them. Not sure who you're referring to. <laughs> I was going to make up T-shirts or something or try to get like a collection with every time someone said those three words together, they owe a dollar and I wouldn't have to do a podcast or anything. I'd be sitting like in, in the keys. So th- there's so much that went into it. N- number one, you know, Riley Smith, let's start with Smith. They gave him a five-year, $25 million contract with a no-trade clause that kicked in on July 1st. That obviously wasn't talked about a lot this year because... 20 goals, 55, 60 points, which is about what he had, is very nice for $5 million. It's about what you want. If you pay an NHL player $5 million, you're very satisfied with that. The Panthers weren't real comfortable with it. He had 15 goals and 37 points the year before. I don't think they wanted to get straddled with that no trade in the 5 for 25. So they looked at him as a guy that they probably wanted to trade, in my opinion. Now, how hard they try to trade him to another team so that he wouldn't be part of that whole thing with Vegas? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Maybe they did, and nobody else wanted to take on the contract at the time. Smith had been a guy that's bounced around now. You know, he's been on Dallas, he's been on Boston, he's been on Florida, he's been on Vegas. So four teams in, in five or six years. You know, Marcia So was a great find. I mean, the 30 goals the year before and 50 points were incredible. He was a minus 21. And that's on a team, by the way, you had a lot of guys that were minus, okay? It wasn't a good enough team. So that's certainly not all on him. And they also knew, I believe, that they had the deal done with Evgeny Dadnoff, which is something a lot of people really don't bring up too much, who had 27 goals and 65 points, so had a great year himself. So I think their thought process, I know their thought process was, we've got a deal done with Dadnoff from the KHL. He's coming in. We're going to pay him $4.5 million. Basically, we'll have to pay Smith. Marcia so we're going to have to sign him after this year if he's as good as this. And I don't think they thought he'd be that good again. Remember, this is the guy that Tampa Bay had waived the year before. He cleared waivers and actually went down to the AHL. And the Panthers got him as a free agent. I mean, no one else was really calling him. So it was a real good find by them, no, no question. And I don't think they thought, obviously, they thought he was going to score 30 goals to keep him. So the other part of the thought process besides Dadnoff was that Huberto and Bukestad had been hurt the year before, and they had combined for 17 goals. They thought they would double, triple that if they were healthy. They actually did, which is part of the reason why the Panthers had the 96 points. Huberto played all year. Bukestad had a career high in games played in goals. So, you know, the interesting thing is if those guys are on the team, Dadnoff and his 27 goals is not. And I don't know, maybe Bukestad doesn't get the chance. Now, Marcheseau had a great year. There is no question he would have been in the top six and he would have been an excellent player for them. 
they went out now this year, I think, and tried to rectify it and getting Mike Hoffman from Ottawa, who's basically the same type of player, you know, 25, 30 goal guy. So I think now it has been, if you want to say fixed, but there is no question from a fan standpoint, letting those guys go, particularly Marcia. So really stung. And the fact that you had Gerard Gallant out there, you know, I could see where fans are frustrated and all the articles about how the Panthers helped Vegas get there. All that said, I don't think anybody thought that Marcia Sill and Smith would be top line players on a Stanley Cup final team. That's kind of the way I sum up the situation. I could see where any fan sat there kind of scratching their head last year, no doubt. Yeah, it's one of those things that is almost more optics. Because what you just explained, and frankly why I'm looking forward to listening to the podcast, is the context and the thing that's needed on a discussion like this. Because I didn't hear anyone making the point, well, here's why they made those decisions. It's No, they're morons for, for allowing an expansion team to go all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals on the back of your players. But, but there's real and legitimate context as to why that happened. First off, give Riley Smith a ton of credit. He had a bad year the year before. So he was able to bounce back. And yeah, I think the Dadnoff thing is something that was never mentioned. Like if they keep those two guys, they don't go out and sign of getting Dadnoff. And Dadnoff had, to me, had as good a year as both those guys had. Now, they, those guys were great in the playoffs. You got to give them credit. But when you're sitting there and you got Bukestad and Huberto both signed at four or five million a year long term, and they hadn't really played much the year before, especially Huberto, you're figuring, okay, let's give them the opportunity. And I know they're going to be able to do it. So you could see some of the rationale behind it. In retrospect, it wasn't talked about a lot because Vegas was winning and those two guys were so good. So, you know, there's always two sides to every story, but obviously the way it turned out, I mean, I don't believe the Panthers thought those guys would have those types of years as far as being that good and that good in big games in the playoffs. All right, before we get to some of the forwards here, I want to touch on the goalie situation with you because this is always sort of foremost uh, with Panther fans. So can you update us on what Roberto Luongo's status is right now? Like how is is he working out at this stage? And what is the kind of workload that you think is appropriate for him this season? I mean, he's coming off a season where, I mean, he basically averaged two and a half goals a game, 2.47. So, I mean, he's still playing at a high level. He had a stretch last year. I thought that was really high level Luongo actually, you know, for the course of his career, but what can be expected of him and do they need to curtail the workload some? Well, it's a great question about the workload. First off, now, I believe he's probably skating a little bit on his own, but he's not doing all of his work yet. I'm assuming that's going to start here probably any day. You know, you're about six, seven weeks away from September. So, and you know, training camp gets going. So he's a junkie. He loves being on the ice. He's a worker. So I think soon, you know, and it's open to the public. I guess anybody can just walk into the Panthers ice net any day they want and take a look. You may see him out there on the ice. You know, he played 35 games last year. He was great when he played. You know, 929 save percentage for hockey is awesome. If you're in the 920s, you're very good. If you're in the high 920s, you're pretty much elite. So when he was on the ice, he was phenomenal, but he only played 35 games. I think the Panthers need him to play 10 to 15 more than that in that 45, hopefully 50 range. I don't think you can have a realistic expectation at age 39. He can play many more than that, or you want him to play any more than that. Now, here's the problem with Luongo. He, he's one of these junkies, and it's like, you know, at the end of the career for Dan Marino, you're going to take him out for the second quarter every game to rest him? No. You know, he's great. He's a Hall of Famer. So he's got to play. It's hard to cut it back and say, okay, you're only going to play once a week so we can conserve it. I don't know if that works for him. I don't know if he could play at that high level. So 
It's going to be very interesting early in the year to see how they do go about managing it. I mean, they've got 17 back-to-backs this year, which is actually the most in the NHL, just the way the schedule worked out. So they'll always split the back-to-back games, him and James Weimer. So that takes them right there down into the high 60s in games. And they just got to earmark some other games. I figure they will probably look at the calendar, do it in advance, like months in advance, and say, okay, this is Luongo's game, this is Reimer's game. Try to space it out as best you can. But to me, when the push comes to shove, you know, and there's a big game and, you know, the Panthers are going into Boston, it's a four-point swing game in the division. Man, if you're him, obviously he's going to want to play. And if you're the coach, it's very difficult to say, hey, let's let Roberto rest because we may need him in March for a game when it's the points are there for the taking. So I think it's something worth watching, but I'm sure they've got a plan. I just know him. And if you ever ask him, hey, you okay, it's always going to be yes, even when it's realistically it's a no. He's, he's played sub 85% a lot of games the last two or three years, Roberto Longo, and you, know, you just never hear about it because he doesn't say a word about it. In terms of their backup goaltender situation, though, having Reimer, I feel like at times he was one of the better backup goaltenders in the league and also might have been at times better than Luongo. Obviously, when we're talking about the fact that he's not playing at 100%, I feel like 85% of Luongo is roughly equivalent to James Reimer. So do you almost feel like at times there's going to be... Cause, and there was certainly a time when when Luongo was out, but even afterwards when he was healthy, that Reimer was getting the nod in big games because he was playing so well. Chris, you hit it on the head in the phrase you use without knowing it like three, four times and what you just said, at times. And that's the key sure. with Reimer. You know, if you knew that no matter what, every game he was going to be on top of it, yeah, you'd feel better about playing him more. Now, when he gets rolling like he did in late December there, he had back-to-back shutouts. You're right. He looks like a top-half starter in the NHL. But what's happened to him throughout his career is when the work gets more and more, so far anyway, he hasn't been able to really break through and take the ball and just go with it. So at times, you're 100% right. They've got to figure out when those times are. And that's going to be interesting as well because if they're both healthy, and Reimer every year gets on two or three of those roles. You know, when Milongo got hurt in early December, the season was over without James Reimer. I mean, Reimer had that run late in December. I think they won six out of seven. He was playing great. He started like 17 or 18 straight games. So when Reimer gets on that role and he does it every year for a couple of times, do you just let him ride it? And, you know, maybe make Luongo for the two weeks. Reimer plays four, Luongo only plays two. I definitely think that's an option. But, uh, you know, James Reimer was really good two years ago. He was not as good last year, I didn't think. I'm curious to know when they get back from training camp what he did this offseason. Remember, he was hurt at the end of the year. He's now 30 years old. So, Hopefully he's having, I'm not sure what he's doing this offseason as far as training, but it needs to be a good one because they are going to need him. There's no question about that. This is the Five Reasons Sports Network. Sports by Miami, for Miami, on demand. We now have 10 podcasts in the network, posting roughly 15 times per week. All can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and several cross-platform apps. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Miami Heat Beat. Are we a Tyler Johnson away? Are we a Hassan? I can't even do that to you. I'm sorry. Breaking news. The Cavs are in shambles. <laughs> if you want to get involved as a sponsor or contributor, reach out to us at number 5 Reason Sports on Twitter. And be sure to punch 5 Reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe.
So let's get to the forwards. And one of the things I think that Panther fans can be excited about is that unlike the other teams in this market, they seem to have really good young players at really good contracts. And that is so important in salary cap sports. And Chris and I talk so much about the heat and kind of the position that they've gotten themselves in, which is so unheat like to have average or slightly above average players sign long term to reasonably large deals. They have, in my view, one good contract that they've signed right now, that's which is Josh Richardson at, at four years, uh, three more years after the last one, which I thought was smart. But the Panthers went about signing all of their young guys to long-term deals. And to me, it doesn't look like they missed on any of them. So when you look at their future and what these guys could become, how important is that for you? And how much development do you still see in guys like Barkov, guys like Huberto, Trochik, others on the roster? What is the level that they can get to? First off, I think there's different levels for each one of them. Barkov, I think the sky's the limit. I think the guy can be an MVP candidate. I think on a good year when he plays all the games and things click for him as far as the points are concerned, he had a great year last year, about a point a game, career high. He's an MVP-type conversation. He's universally thought of around the league because he's so good defensively, and the guy is so selfless. He never shoots into the empty net. He will always pass the puck to a teammate so a teammate can get the goal. That's just the way he is. He doesn't care about that stuff. He could be a top five player in the league. And universally, he's top 10 or 15 now. So he's the guy. I think Aaron Ekblad needs to become the guy. I thought last year, particularly the last 50 games, was a huge step forward for him. People forget how young he is. The fact that he was playing against top-line players for the first time in his career. And, you know, he ended up having a great year. I think he missed one game and... You know, he had 16 goals. He's one of the best young goal scorers from a defenseman in the history of the NHL. He's got over 50 goals already in his career. So I think you look at Ekblad and Barkov. You know, you look at Stanley Cup winners. You go to Chicago with Duncan Keith and Jonathan Taves, LA, you know, Kopitar and Dowdy. You want to have that great number one center and that great number one defenseman. I think both those guys have the ability to get there. And then everybody else slots in. And like you said, you know, Bukestad, Huberto, Barkov, Matheson, Trocheck, they're all signed long-term. The Panthers made calculated decisions on those guys. A lot of them didn't get that second contract in the NHL. The first entry-level contract is three years, and then a lot of teams do what they call a bridge. You give the guy another one to three years to see if they could do it again, and if they do it again, suddenly they're in the league for five years, you're paying through the nose. You're paying top dollar. Panthers said, hey, we believe in these guys, so let's just do it now. And they gave them all between six and eight year contracts. And now they've got this window of the next four years where they're all signed at very reasonable amounts of money for what those guys do. And then you have money to go out and get the other guys that you need. And that's where guys, I think like Keith Yandel and Dadnoff and Mike Hoffman, who they traded for, they traded draft picks to get a guy that makes $5.8 million. So they're able to do that because they're paying the other guys less. Yeah. I want to get to Barkov though, because it was kind of interesting. I'm looking at his kind of his game logs over the final month and change of the season. And it really is fascinating to see how as he went, so did the Panthers. If you look at the last four losses that they had at Columbus, at Toronto, at Ottawa, at Boston, no goals, no assists from him. And then you look at all these victories and they're just populated with goals and assists all over. 
is it unreasonable to expect a player at 22 years of age, he's going to be 23 in September, but at 22 years of age to have carried a team to victories in all of those games? Or do you think he still has significant growing to do in terms of delivering when the team needs him the most? My opinion on that, Chris, is that he's got to have a little bit more help. I mean, he played a Mm -hmm. ton, I think. He was second in the league amongst forwards. You know, defensemen always play more. So he was second in the league in ice time. I think only Andre Kopitar played more than him. And I just think the way he plays defensively, I mean, you will never see him cheating in his own zone. You know, and he's handling all these tough assignments against, you know, top-line centers on the other team every single time they're on the ice. I think in time, it's just tough for him to do it every single night, do the defense and do the offense as well, and be able to score like that. The other thing was, once they moved Huberto off his line with, with, with Trocek, you know, Bukestad played well, but he didn't play great every single game. Dadnoff was on the other side. So, you know, there was still a lot of work. It's not like Barkov had, you know, two 40-goal scorers playing with him, and he can just, you know, flip them the puck, and they could do the work. So I do think that they're going to try to balance that out a little bit more this year. He and Trocek played a ton. But it's a great question. You know, a young guy like that, yeah, I, I think he is the guy. And I think Bob Bugner is that kind of coach where – he wants to put it on him and say, hey, man, you're the guy. You know, we win when you're that good. And I think this year, now that he's been around here for four years, five years, and I think he's starting to realize how good he is when he went to the All-Star game and he was around all those superstars. That's the one thing the players tell me when I ask about Barkov. They kind of shake their head and go, man, he does not even know how good he is. He's unbelievable. And once he really grasps that, I think it could be exactly what you just said. You know, Barkov's the guy, like the quarterback in the NFL. You know, if the quarterback's on, you're going to win the game. If he throws four picks, you have no chance. I think Barkov is going to be that for the Panthers. What you mentioned about Barkov and not realizing how good he is is really true because I think back to Dwayne Wade and his first all-star experience in Denver that I covered out there, and I feel like that was the epiphany for Dwayne. Like when he was out there for the first time with all of those guys. And although the attention was on LeBron because it was his first All-Star game too, it's like Dwayne came to a realization, like I belong with these guys. And you know, and that was the same season that Shaq, Shaq joined him too. So it was like Shaq's validation, like wanting him to be there when he joined the Heat and then making the All-Star team and then being out there with those All-Stars and them saying you're every bit as good as us. Like I feel like that's a big moment for guys and I felt like that was a huge turning point for Wade. So maybe it would be for Barkoff and that leads to my next question because we do all the sports here on the podcast and we've actually had this debate a couple of times. We did this with Will Manso on an episode on uh, which you can find in our library, you know, where are Miami sports stars? I make the case that Barkov's the best athlete in South Florida right now. I mean, there's no one for me. I mean, the Marlins don't have anybody. The one guy they have, Riamuto, they may be trading. The Dolphins had one player, one, okay, in the top 100, NFL Network's top 100, they had 36-year-old Cameron Wake. And I, Chris, where was he? Well, like in the was 70s. in the 70s, yeah. It's in the 70s. So they didn't have any of the top 70 players. Now, that may change because I, you know, I think guys like Fitzpatrick and Raekwon McMillan and maybe Kenyon Drake, and there are some others on that roster who may jump in there next year. But right now, they don't have anybody. The Heat don't have a top 30 player. Um, Boron, to me, is the only one who could squeeze in there. Josh Richardson is kind of on the fringe of that. So when I look at the rest of the teams in this market, the Hurricanes don't have their starting quarter, you know, their star quarterback yet. It's Barkoff. I mean, would you argue for anybody else? I don't even think it's close as far as the rest of the market. The only people that could get it, you know, unhappy because he's so competitive is Vinny Trocek. Vinny Trocek say, hey, if he's first, then I'm second <laughs> in South Florida. 
because he's that good, by the way. He only had a few points less than Barkov last year. So, yes, Barkov, when we get into next month and all the rankings come out and, you know, fantasy hockey listings and all the different things that people go through previewing a season in a sport, I think universally Barkov will be in the top 20 in the league and some will probably have him, you know, as high as being in the top 15 amongst players in the NHL because he does everything besides the scoring. So I would agree 100% that he is uh, number one in South Florida and he's a star in his sport and he's got a chance to be a flat-out superstar in hockey. All right, so check out the podcast uh, coming up this week. He's gonna uh, Steve Goldstein is gonna be talking to Jared McCann again. Check out the Twitter feed; it's at Goldie on Ice. Going to be going up through the season, the entire season again. Goldie's with the team all the time, and you can hear him on television for every Panthers game. Also on the podcast, we do want to recommend you check out uh, the Panthers do a podcast too. It's called Territory Talk. Check that out too. We certainly want to promote the coverage of the Panthers as much as we can because look. This market's looking for a winner right now. It's not really clear which of the franchises is going to be next. I think the Hurricanes are positioned to do something significant here over the next five years. The Heat are in kind of a weird place. And with the Dolphins, you just don't really trust it until it happens. So uh, so I'm, I'm going to – and I know we've said that about the Panthers too, but I, I do feel in terms of a young core – they're as well positioned or better positioned than anybody. So Goldie, thanks for doing it. Hopefully during the season, we'll get you on here a little bit more often when things are going on with the team. And we're, we're happy to have you in the five reasons network and that you are always looking for another job. By the way, Stu has reached out to, um, <laughs> Stu has reached out to, uh, he wants to do a golf podcast. I'm, I'm not sure Dan will allow that. So uh, we have, not, uh. we have not committed to it, but uh, yes, uh, you know, once he knows officially that you're in on this thing, for the long haul, I, I'm sure that he will try to one up you by by doing something else. So we'll see. Well, I may that. send him a text that I'm that I'm that I'm you know be, I'm going to be on the podcast when this this one is released this week, and then tell him there's one opening for a golf one, but I know they have about five people interested. So that'll get him to call you like instantly. He'll be on the phone in a second. But hey, man, there is something too. The more you do, the harder you work. That. I mean, look where Stu Gotts has gotten to. And I think a lot of it, not taking away his talent at all, but a lot of it is because he's a grinder, man. He'll, he'll do whatever needs to be done, whatever hours it takes. And as we all know, you know, not everybody is willing to do that. You know, I went to school at Syracuse and there were guys there that wanted to walk out at 22 and I'm going to do play by play for Monday night football. And you kind of look and go, yeah, you're probably not. <laughs> There's some steps before you get there. So it, it goes to show you, you know, the never say no attitude. Um, actually works, especially in, I think, in broadcasting. All right, so check out the all the podcasts in our network. Like I said, Goldie on Ice, Miami Heat Beat, Three Arts for Carry, Balls Cast, Pitch Invasion, Fish Tank, Smark Your Territory, Five Rings, coming out soon, and Fantasy on Five. I did that all in a row. So How we'll, the hell did you remember that off the top I, of your head? I, I, nicely done. <laughs> it's all I do all Chris, day. That's why, that's why he's in charge of the network, man, because he can rattle them off. Uh, we're 50-50. That's it. I, I let Chris handle right. all the production, as you know, so there you go. Um, oh, well, I heard someone has 51%. I don't want to start a controversy here in the podcast, but uh, that'll be the next Goldie and Ice podcast. Forget about the uh, forget about the hockey. You're going to find out who has the 51% interest, Whittingham or, or Ethan. That's good. We'll, uh, we'll we'll let you know. It'll be Stu by the time that he joins. He'll, he'll end up. You know what? You're right about that. He'll probably have 61 percent. No question. <laughs> All right, Goldie. We'll talk soon. Okay, guys. Thanks.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.